Hello, everybody. This is 204060 Podcast on board today in the studios deep in the bowels of Judson Baptist Church. Trevor Lovingood, college pastor in his 20s. Jeff Mims, almost 40. O.E. Gene Mims, definitely in his 60s. Rocking the 60s, man. Wouldn't go back for anything. <laughs> now, you know what? It's it's kind of interesting. Trevor has been chasing the dream. Not not a dream that he could fulfill, but he's living the dream in one of his friends who's going to get drafted in the, in the <laughs> NFL. He's been down there catching footballs and uh, getting some bl- – did you not catch a football the whole time you were down there? Seriously? Look at me. Yes, he did. He did. Did you get any free stuff while you were there? He's living the dream. No. You didn't get any free stuff. <laughs> I don't know what you guys what, are talking. What did about. you get? I was, what I did was you get? In Florida. We were spinning. I don't remember. What did, you, what did I, you get? I don't remember. You got something for free. He is living the dream, vol for life, and uh, he's got a good friend that's probably going to be drafted. We're, we're excited about that. Really are now. Jeff has been fighting the flu, so we've got to give him some sympathy because I don't think his wife and family is giving him much sympathy lately. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to give Jeff some sympathy. His mother's very upset and very concerned about him, but. And I'm just happy. You know, I've just been traveling. I'm happy. I'm doing well. Uh, so that, that's what I'm saying. I'm rocking the 60s, man. I wouldn't go back uh, for anything. Let me, you know, this is the start of spring training in baseball. Now, think about it. Baseball goes from now to almost November. That's depressing to think about. I just want to say that it's a regrettable time of year. Yeah. Well, it is. There's, no, there's nothing to watch, <laughs> and spring training doesn't help. Watch this. In 1950, my team, forever. The New York Yankees won the World Series. Oh, my goodness. In 1977, my team, the New York Yankees, won the World Series. And in Trevor's birth year, 1990, the Cincinnati Reds won the World Series. That's absolutely awesome, isn't it, if it's not awful? Because the National League, I've always been against kind of the National League. I've never really understood the National League. But anyway, we have to to move on. Today we've got a – uh, a pretty important topic. We really do. All of our topics are important. But let, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, in your ministry, Trevor and Jeff, do you imagine that there's anybody in your ministry that doesn't know somebody who's committed suicide? Hmm. Oh no. I mean, I'd say it's it's prevalent. Yeah. Right. Same. I, I don't. Second leading cause of death after traffic accidents among young people is suicide. So we're looking today and we're thinking about, uh, you know, anxiety and whatever. We, we grew up in a different time. We really did. When I was coming along, man, 3D movies. You know, you put the little glasses on and you saw that and snowflakes were in your eyes and whatever. Drive-in movies. We won't go there, but it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Drive-in movies were, were good for us. It really was. They, they shut them. Sock hops. You couldn't walk on the gym floor in your shoes, so you had to take your shoes they off. They were just scuffing it up. Yeah, huh? oh, no, no. You get smacked for that. And so we had sock hops. But Jeff, now Jeff was in the disco area. Disco. That's so bad. Think about that. The disco. Man, that was good. My, my son just got me to download Staying Alive from Staying the Bee Gees. Yeah, so BG. terrible. All right, what about what about Atari? You Come had an Atari. I had an Atari. You had an Atari. What about mopeds? They were hot for a while. I never, never had a moped. It's a great way to get well, killed, now, but Trevor I've always comes, wanted one. Trevor comes along, and we've got you know body piercing. You know, <laughs> there we go. Rollerblades and Napster. I'm not sure I know what Napster is. You know? Napster was the first streaming. <laughs> I'm glad I don't the know. first attempt at Spotify that ultimately was giving away music for free was sued by bands like Metallica and others. 
and eventually had to shut down because they were infringing copyright and giving art away for free. Well, you know, they won They won the battle and lost the war on that one because you can get all the music free you want to. So your friends can go to a concert, you know, with the good iPhones today. But, you know, Napster, the re- we were talking about this a while ago. You know, my generation, hey, if you're in your 60s, you'll say amen to this. Technology fails us. You know, I've got, I've got a phone I hate. I've got a television I, you know, I can't stand. I've got all kind of boxes and stuff. I've got fire sticks or something, whatever, all that stuff. And, you know, none of it works until some of my kids come over and whatever. But technology is a really, really uh, big thing. But I want to talk today. We want to talk today with you. Uh, and by the way, thank you for listening to the podcast. What about this? What about something that's really plaguing all Americans? And that's really anxiety. We are an anxious crowd. I read many years ago, we had more uh, counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists per capita in America than any place on the earth. We study it. We have degrees in it. But Americans are anxious. True or false in your generation, Jeff? 100% true. Very anxious, um, fighting fear, and a lot of times can't even place the their thumb on why they might be anxious. Panic attack? Totally. Hmm. I remember the first time somebody ever told me they had a problem with panic attacks. And I honestly couldn't understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, And then I wondered if I, I, I should have one or if I ever had one. <laughs> I did. I just thought, well, have I ever had one? You should try it. It's good. You know, you hear people talking, you think, what about you, Trev, your generation? Anxiety, panic attack? Yeah, anxiety, worry, panic attack. Um, yeah, it's definitely uh, frustrating, uh, my generation. What's going on here? I mean, why do you think that is? If I'm going to kind of pinpoint it for some people that I know, and this is, um, you know, it's too broad to kind of almost say for everyone, but um, our identity is found in, in what we do. Um, we did an episode, um, I think our last episode was about, you know, a career, a job, or whatever. Um, and we... Uh, <laughs> we're laughing Jeff had a flu cough there on us and so, <laughs> he started coughing yeah, that's right. and it didn't sound like a cough and I was like is reason, he laughing Trevor, at me and then, for some reason Trevor thinks that's funny when people are sick I don't know <laughs> oh man okay um, well the episode we were talking about was was about careers and and uh, and we've, we're starting to talk about anxiety you know in this one and uh, it, it doesn't uh, what we do goes everywhere we are, and it's always being documented. It's always being seen, and we see what other people are doing with their lives. We see who other people are hanging out with. We see what other people have, and it all kind of revolves around um, who we are revolves around what we do, and that's where our identity may be in and uh, in how we live. And, and so like in a, in a lot of ways, I think those are kind of uh, married in a way and, and may go together. You said something in an earlier conversation about pinpointing kind of that single gal that comes uh, to age, you know, 22 years old, out of college, maybe didn't go to college, that that really seems to have a lot of stress on her. What, what's that about? I don't know. I just, uh, I just, I was thinking that that if there's a if there's a person that uh, that may be anxious, that if we spoke to that person that may not have a relationship with the Lord, maybe does, um, what would they look like? And, and a few people came to my mind, and, and, uh, and I just think that 
that right out of college you've you've spent so much time investing in your career and what you're going to do and it not come the way that you thought it was going to come you you're not getting the job you're not getting uh you're not getting married whether it's a guy or a girl doesn't necessarily have to be a gender thing if you're a guy or a girl you're not in a relationship that you were hoping you'd have and you've spent all this time investing in work and trying to find a relationship and nothing you have you think the nothing prom- you're doing seems to be correct you think it's just false promises there it seems like to me these colleges may have some false promises come to us get this degree have exciting new opportunities and uh, I, I know one time I uh, I was talking with a, a friend of mine uh, his dad and I were talking he was in college education and I said how would your how would your education change at your school at your college if you promised every kid that they'd have a job when they graduated and he was stunned he said oh I, we uh, you know we couldn't do it yeah and so so that was just a question on my mind because it seems like there are a lot of promises or parents you can be whoever you want to be and you know you were the best ball player in in the travel squad or whatever else and it doesn't quite work out you know we have college students in our college ministry going through that right now thinking they were on the on the road to major league play or whether it's soccer or something like that, and it's not going to happen. So is, is, is it overpromise or what? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it may have to do with overpromising. It may have to do with uh, trusting in those overpromising, overpromises, in those promises, almost the American dream, if you will, mm. uh, this, this idea of if you're not living right now, your life is ruined. You know, if you're not there, if you haven't made it yet, um, maybe it has to do with success. Maybe it has to do with work or a relationship. If you're not being fulfilled to your maxed out potential right now, what are you doing living anymore? Like just that kind of depth of a question. I've got a comment, but I'm going to hold off until Jeff answers for his generation. I think I think there's a fundamental uh, problem that we need to address and right there, right where you're talking about, and we probably don't do very well, so... I'll defer to Jeff. Well, I just think that it's it's uh, it's evident across the generations. But one of the things we just did a, a a night of training on getting people to share their story at church, and what came out of that was a lot of people from children to youth to adults talking about how anxiety was part of their story and how they had been anxious and God had had changed some of that in their lives, or they were even still struggling with it, but God was working in their life through that. And it, it's it's made me aware that it's something we need to address, probably after Easter, that that's, that's probably a, a topic that we need to address from the pulpit and how to, how to uh, begin to trust the Lord through the problems that you're facing and equip the people, maybe as we were talking earlier, to think, biblically through some of the things that they're facing there's something that's laced in all of this that uh, i've discovered and that's this word perfection so if a kid goes to school and they don't get an a uh you know for somehow for some reason uh that that's just not acceptable it's either a a plus or you know or nothing uh if i don't look just right you know as a as a woman or a, especially a, a gal you know if i if I have any flaws, if I'm too tall, short, wide, thin, or whatever, I'm not perfect, and uh, so I can't, you know, I can't be whatever. If I can't sing like somebody, you know, who has a, a recording contract, then I'm not going to sing at church. I won't sing. You know, I won't take that risk if I'm not perfect. 
when I try to do this. And, and a lot of those testimonies, even from the little boy that testified, he was like, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was just trying to be perfect. And my teacher said, you don't have to be perfect right. in everything. And a lot of gals were saying that, you know, they, they got depressed when they thought this was the dream. We're going down here. You know, they went, they went overseas and uh, they thought it was going to be it. And all of a sudden I started ha- having anxiety issues and whatever. A lot of people, I think, feel the pressure of perfection. And I don't exactly know where that comes from. I don't either. Let me, let me throw a, a different wrinkle to it because I, I guess I'm the only person at the uh, table who would say that this is something that they've really struggled with, not in the perfection side of it, but certainly understanding what it's like to feel the weight of anxiety or maybe a panic attack type thing. Uh, two years ago, coming out of a heart procedure that I had done, uh, I woke up one day and told my wife that afternoon that I was having a heart attack hmm. and said, you, you need to take me to the hospital right now. I'm, I'm having a heart attack. And my wife, uh, it, as you mentioned, she, she wasn't that merciful when I had the flu. She wasn't that merciful when I told her I was having a heart attack either. Uh, she said, uh, didn't you run this morning? And I said, I did. And she said, yeah, I don't think you're having a heart attack. And I said, I mean, I really feel like my heart is about to blow up in my chest. She said, sit down for a minute. Let's just kind of, let's kind of hang out. And, you know, a little bit later I felt better. And, and she said, you know, I think tomorrow you ought to, uh, get up and go running, take your phone with you. And if it starts to hurt, call me, I'll come get you. We'll go to the hospital. We'll get it squared away. Never bothered me while I ran, never bothered me while my heart was under what you would call load. Um, but it really bothered me because I did, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on with it. And, uh, there's a pastor friend of ours. I won't mention his name because it's his story to tell, but he, he and I spent some time together because he had had a similar kind of issue. He'd had a heart procedure done in his life and, uh, ended up about a year after that, admitting himself to the hospital and telling the doctor he thought he was having a heart attack. And uh, as he and I talked about it, he, he said, you know, that going through all of that stuff, his doctor came back to him and said, you, you know, you're having an anxiety attack. We've checked your heart upwards, backwards, forwards, down. It's, it's all good. And uh, that was the first time I had ever heard a Christian leader say that they had experienced something like that. Now, the, the thing about my life at that time period was that I wouldn't have told you that there was anything wrong with what was going on. I was happy in my job. I was happy in my home. I was happy with my children. We had a lot of things going on. We were, we were, I was coming off of a, a, an incredibly stressful year of, of trying to be diagnosed with a heart condition. Uh, I was dealing with a family member who had cancer, certainly, who, and he actually happened to be with us at the time. Uh, we, were, we were trying to get him squared away, some different things like that. But I didn't know how to quite process the fact that here I was, a Christian leader, having what amounted to what I believed was a panic attack. I didn't have a framework for that. Uh, and in talking with my doctor about it, uh, who he's your doctor too, great guy. I mean, we just kind of talked through that and worked through it. And, and it, it really, it really took a couple of months to kind of work through that and kind of be able to identify what was going on and maybe what was triggering that and then be able to, to kind of process what was going on. You know what's so elusive about what you're saying is that fear has an object. Anxiety doesn't. Yep. It's the same emotion. It's the same reaction. When I'm afraid of something, I know exactly what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid to die, run out of money, whatever else. Anxiety is that uh, churning in your soul, I, I guess, in your mind 
and you don't know exactly why you feel that way, but it's just there. And so it might be, uh, it might be uh, perfection, it might be something else, but it's certainly there. I'll tell you what, it really has an impact on ministry, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just tell you that when I started in ministry in the 40 years ago, uh, this, I was a prophet, you know, I, I went to, I went to the study. I spent time on my knees in prayer. I looked at the Bible and came out and, and just not only was the expectation there from the congregation, but I was glad to do this. Thus saith the Lord, here's what God's saying to us today. You know, whether it's fulfilling the great commission or giving or going or, you know, whatever it was, but, uh, that was already beginning to change. I, I, I saw snippets of it in in a seminary where all of a sudden now pastors almost are expected to be therapists and uh, managers of people's emotions and to create the right environment either for them to get outside those emotions and those anxieties for a while or literally to help them to manage those things and the prophetic role uh, almost seems too harsh you know it uh, it, it seems like wow well that's not what we need what we need is gentleness and and kindness and speaking peace and tell us everything's going to be all right. Whether, you know, and, and your response is, well, I can't tell you that it's going to be all right. I have no knowledge of that. I can tell you what the Bible says about these things. So the Bible's kind of put aside and we psychologicalize, if that's a word, almost everything in ministry now. It's about feelings. It's about, you know, uh, uh, getting feelings hurt or getting feelings adjusted you know, it's about uh, learning how to think about our neuroses or whatever else. Totally foreign to me. I have, you know, I don't have training. I have, I have minimal training in that. I have, I have an orientation uh, to that. But uh, I remember the stress I felt early on as a pastor to be people's counselors. Well, I, I can't do that. Don't right. want to do it. Wasn't the calling. Not equipped, equipped, equipped to do it. So uh, what about that? What about our ministries now? in terms of uh, dealing with people in the face of their anxieties? What, what do you think? I think for me, the the one thing that has helped me to better understand that is having gone through it myself. Because when you have, when you have, you know, hopped out of bed one day and thought, I'm dying and I have no reason to be dying, and then you start thinking, I'm crazy for thinking this. Where, where am I, where is this going to end up? And it, it's it's an it's an that interesting seems like a different thing. that seems like a different thing from somebody in who's twenty years old. You had a you had a legitimate anxiety because you had a medical condition that was identifiable eventually. Now, yeah, at first but, it wasn't. But, but, but what was but, so difficult about it was that it was after the medical condition was fixed. Right, but you, that was you, the, that was the thing I think. But but it was a trail. It was a sure, trail back to sure. that condition. What we're talking about in Trevor's generation and a lot of people in my generation, they don't have that. It's just there. For some reason, you well, know. Well, I think I think what I have discovered for me, and then talking with people about it, because it's it's funny that that opportunity has opened up doors. Is that most most of the time when you when you bear down with it, you can find the trail. Even even for the the young person, there's something there that that it it may be suppressed you may not want it you may not want to admit that you're bothered by it you may not want to admit that it's kind of stream of consciousness type thing but it but it's there and i think one of the things that we in shepherding people have the obligation to do before the lord is to teach them how to think biblically because if they think biblically it doesn't erase feelings 
but it helps you put feelings in their proper context. Well, I think you're uh, absolutely right on that. One of the problems of, of a 20-year-old is they don't have any past. Right. They don't have a trail to go back to. But i tell you what they do have. They have a certain uh, anxiety or a certain dissatisfaction. Let me just put it like that. That might lean to anxiety because many of them come from uh, homes that weren't tight, you know, or even if they were tight, like, like we said in the previous podcast, mom and dad weren't very happy. You know, they were working, but they, they had a home, they had cars and whatever, but they, they didn't seem to be fulfilled and happy. Uh, they have these promises that were unfu- that are they re- they're realizing now may go unfulfilled. There's a be- deep distrust of institutions and and people in in authority, but making you know making these promises. They look at our nation and it seems to be in chaos. They can't get you know uh, economically and socially. They can't get what they want relationally. They don't maybe know how to do that because you're trying to you're trying to get with people who are just like you i mean they're just as maybe confused or anxious let's just say it like that anxious as you is that is that a fair assessment trevor or is i'm just is that yeah no i think it's i think it's a pretty fair assessment gene uh i um man I, i'm i'm listening to you to talk about the you know the distance that i have to travel backward is a lot shorter than what you and jeff have to travel backward to find you know the trauma situation that you went through um i i would say that the, the difference about what you maybe said is i would say that i believe that there may be a trauma situation like i can still go back to some things maybe that i'm anxious about and find a place um but i think also with what both of you are saying is uh the anxieties, one of the realest issues that we're going through right now as a as a community, as a society, as churches, uh, and um, I, my question back to you, kind of Gino, is uh, is what how do how do you think that as as churches as as pastors, how do we walk through our congregations, our churches, our our flocks, so to speak? How do we help our people um, walk through anxiety, kind of together? Well, I think there are two or three things that we can do, not as counselors. And let, let me, I want to hasten to say, listen, I'm not against counseling. I, I, I'm really not. Uh, I, I really appreciate people who do that because I know they care about people and I know they want to help people. I, I'm, I'm just saying from my perspective, that's, that's not what I do. Right. That's not what we do typically. I think, there's a real, I think there's a real need within the church to start engaging, first of all, a conversation about you know, this kind of sounds funny, but what is man? What is mankind? And then, then go to the next step to say, what is it? What is a woman? And what is a man? You know, what, what is that? Uh, as a person, uh, because until you see, uh, you know, a complete picture of what can be, you can never, first of all, see what you are. You can't establish the gap and there and there's no hope to get there. You know, there's no hope if I'm just like everybody else, and you know, I can't get over uh, anxiety. And so, okay, well, the way I'm going to do this is to take pills. If pills don't don't help, then I'll just spend money. If that doesn't help, I'll I'll do pornography. If that doesn't help, I'll just go through relationships. And and you're just on a a vicious circle of things that don't ever establish who you are, you know, as a person. For years, we've been taught that uh, we've sort of evolved into what we are. We've been taught that 
There should be no difference between men and women. It's brought great confusion in this world. We've been taught that uh, that uh, everything uh, is achievable for us, or not even achievable, but, but could be given to us. And all those things are lies. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time you believe a lie, like it's the truth, it becomes a stronghold. And a stronghold prevents you from seeing, believing, and acting on the truth. But it also it diminishes you as a person. It doesn't matter what it is. So if you grow up and people tell you that you're stupid uh, that, and you believe that, that's a stronghold. If people tell you that you're ugly, you know, it's a stronghold. If people tell you that uh, uh, there's no difference between you and somebody else with another gender, that's a lie and there's a stronghold. There are fundamental differences physiologically and emotionally and mentally and every other, spiritually in every other way. And so the more lies that come into your life that you believe, the more occasions there are for uh, anxiety, and I think that's a very difficult thing. I don't think I don't think people know uh, what it means to be a man or a woman, really under under uh, God. So well, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm I'm thinking about what exactly what you're saying. Would you say that both of you in your generations, because I think this is true for mine, would you say that we are doing anything we can to avoid being honest? And this, uh, like, about where we are, about what we're dealing with. All of mankind always. You, but, hit, it, you so this, hit it on the this head. This could be, this could. Yes, that's the sin but the difference of all is, mankind. The difference is my generation, there were clearly defined roles sure. for a man and right. a woman. Now those roles uh, bleed in. And so because you had a clearly defined role, if you weren't meeting the expectation of that role, you buried it until you could do better. Nobody in my generation pretty much got up and you know was honest about emotions, feelings, or right. whatever. And when they were, it was so shocking. Nobody knew how to deal with it. At least there there is more honesty today. But I think people don't quite know what that is. You know, so when they say, "Okay, I'm you know, I'm a girl, I'm a boy, I'm a man, a woman," but what does that what does that really mean? Well, there's a clear uh, biblical framework for that, and it doesn't. It, it's not so much about the role; it's about the person. You know, there's something in the nature of God uh, that caused him great delight to create a man and a woman, you know, and have a purpose for them individually, surely, but also together to, to reveal his glory. But it's got to be that. It's got to be that. And everything else, you know, will create, you know, all kind of confusion. So if I'm a man, even if I'm married or heterosexual or whatever else, and still don't know who I am as a person and what it is I can be, and the fact that I've been endowed with a purpose from a creator, then I'm just going to live in, in, in a constant quest, maybe, uh, for something that, you know, that, doesn't, that doesn't ever really uh, occur. It's tough. It's tough right now uh, to, you know, to even approach this because I don't think people want that exposed in their lives. I think one thing that I would say is that if you're struggling with, as a believer, with anxiety, the first step is to be in a community of faith where you can say that. Uh, because Satan wants to make us feel like we're guilty and less of whatever we are, and you can't ever deal with it as long as you feel like you're flawed because you have it or that there's something wrong there. And I think in that community too, Jeff, I pray for every community, whether it's a small group or uh, my local or a church or you know just friends at work or whatever, I hope that that you will be able to discern and identify somebody that can – that can speak wisdom to you, even yep. if it hurts. Yep. And to help you go back on that trail to say, "Oh, well, this is where some of this started." Yep. You know, I, 
you know, oh, okay. I had to do that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in my own life and went back to just some, an event, an occurrence. And, uh, I, I was just glad to be able to do that to say, well, I don't, you mean, I don't really have to act like this anymore. Right. I, that's not really who I am. And, uh, I was trying to, I was trying to prove what I already was. You know, the Lord mm-hmm. accepts us completely now. And we try to prove that we're worthy of that. Are we, you know, we're already, uh, smart, intelligent, whatever else, winsome, whatever you want to say. And we, yet we try to prove that. Number next, I think when you're in that community, you need to be in a community that doesn't take its cues from the culture. Sure. You know, we're all cultural, but you don't have to look, act, think, whatever, because that's where the anxiety, uh, you know, typically comes from. And I think that's a multi-generational thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So what did we learn today, Jeff? It's real. A lot of folks dealing with it. And, uh, you know, the lie is that you can't ever be free from it. Trevor? Yeah, I uh, I learned today and was reminded a lot of it um, as I'm thinking about it that that you you know you want you need to know that you're not alone. Uh, I'm not alone in the struggles that I'm going through, whether it be anxiety or anything. And uh, there's someone out there. There's a community that you need to be involved with. And one of the most dangerous things that we can uh, uh, places that we can go in our own minds and our own thoughts is that we're the only one that struggles with this. Mm, um, so yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about uh, what you two were saying, and I, I always learn a lot from. Uh, your comments on the generations and whatever. And, uh, you know, what causes my generation anxiety, of course, is do we have enough money? Am I going to be sick and can't be free? Am I going to be in the nursing home or whatever else as we move down the down the trail on that? But that, you know, that's certainly something that uh, uh, really uh, occurs to me. I, I, I've learned again, it's just been a reminder again, that I, I just absolutely have to be more sensitive to people in that in that. Uh, in that position, that place where, you know, where they really and truly are anxious. It reminds me of, I was pastoring a church one time and I was talking to a guy. He he visited the church a time or two and uh, asked if I'd come to see him. And so I said, sure. And so uh, I was visiting with him, he and his wife. And uh, he said, you know, I'd really like to join your church and be a part of it. He said, but I, I need to tell you, preacher, I've been in jail. And uh, he said, I just don't know how that would sit with people in the church. I said, well, to be honest with you, we got a bunch of people in our church who've been in jail. And that was like a relief to him. He said, are you kidding me? I said, well, sure. You know, that's not everybody's been perfect at our church. And uh, I tell you what, they'd be willing to really talk to you and tell you how it is. I said, don't join until, you know, until you, until you work through this. We, we, you know, there's people here that know exactly the way you feel about this. Got him with some of those folks, interestingly enough, with men and women, and and they weren't like, ah, forget it. You know, it's nothing to this. They were like, you know what? This was important. And uh, our church uh, surrounded us and, and worked through it. And, and we're still working through it because that's something that we've just experienced. So he had he was anxious about that, of not being perfect. And yet he got in a community of people said, and it wasn't a dismissive thing like, oh, yeah, well, don't worry about it. It was, oh, yeah, we know exactly how you feel. Uh, we've, we've come to this body of believers of uh, feeling uh, just like that. And he became, you know, great because he realized that if he said that, you know, I was in jail, uh, nobody cared. In fact, they would kind of want to know his story and how did you get from there to here? And he had a, he had a pretty good testimony about it and he wasn't afraid, uh, you know, to share it anymore. There are some sins that you won't share. I understand that. But he came to a group of people mm-hmm. and walked and did life with those people. 
And I think I've learned that that's very important. The longer I live, the more important that becomes, not only to me, but to everything I believe, that you've got to be with some people that you can do life with and share life with. Well, it's been another great day. I tell you what, it's awesome. And uh, we've enjoyed being with you. Be evangelists for us. We've said that. You can contact each of us, Trevor Lovinggood, Jeff Mims, or Gene Mims, right here at Judson Baptist Church. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And uh, give us your comments, your pleas, your criticisms, whatever. We'll be glad to take them all. But it's been really a lot of fun to be with you. And uh, this is something we really enjoy doing. So until next time, we'll see you later.